share it with them. Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. And where we left off at in, in Daniel chapter 3 there, of course, we had Nebuchadnezzar wanting everyone, all nations, languages, and people, from the high and mighty all the way down to the poor and beggarly, he wanted them all to bow down and worship that image, amen, that statue he had made. And uh, if they were not willing to, <clears throat> they were going to go into that fiery furnace. And so he gave an ultimatum there to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, told them that they could change their position on bowing down in worship. And if they weren't going to, then they were going to go into that fiery furnace. So they were not careful to answer the king, if you'll recall. And they said, uh, King, we don't, you know, our God can deliver us. Uh, he's able to, even if he doesn't, we're still not doing what you want us to do. Don't you love that? Uh, even if he lets us suffer for his sake, we're still not going to compromise in this matter. And so he cranked that furnace up as high as he could get. It's so hot, in fact, that when they opened the doors, it burned the very servants that were throwing the three Hebrews in there. And, uh, and uh, so they burnt up and then the three went into the furnace. And then he's like, then how many did we throw in there again? three right but i see four and one was like the son of god right and we know that's jesus christ uh we see that there just i love how the lord works throughout the entire bible revealing himself to us so they went into that furnace they weren't even they weren't even harmed were they not one hair singed and i i thought it was funny because i just before teaching that last week we had just been camping and i thought i can't even you know put too much lighter fluid on the campfire without singeing something you know and they came out of the hottest furnace probably ever recorded in history and uh, not one hair singed nor the smell of fire on them so not even the smell of smoke i'm still trying to get smoke smell out of some of my clothes i need better laundry detergent they came out no scent of fire so absolute miracle and then and then what happened nebuchadnezzar kind of changed his attitude a little bit didn't he that's God humbling them, right? And so that's where we pick off, pick up here in Daniel chapter 4 in these first 22 verses. Let me begin to read here. Daniel chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Wow, he's really changed his tone here. I thought it good to shew the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation i nebuchadnezzar was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace i saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, 
tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Let me pause there for a minute and let me mark my own spot there so I don't lose that. I left off in verse 9. Let's just start back here in verse 1 for a second. So, I want you to catch this. So, Nebuchadnezzar has now, he's now addressing all of the same audience that he did when he called all nations, people together to bow down and worship the image, right? So, he's wanting to address the same crowd here. Um, and so, he, you know, and then he tells them this, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me. So that sounds like quite a change in his position, does it not? And so the king that commanded all men to bow to him now wants to point all men to God. Do you see that? So the king that wanted to command all men to bow down to him now points all men to God. Um, he once demanded to be worshipped, now he testifies of another that's greater than himself. Although, I would point out here, and I tried to find maybe if there was a discrepancy between Aramaic and Hebrew, and I'll tell you why. The book of Daniel, actually, they have found that it's really, it's Aramaic. A lot of it is Aramaic. And so, the reason I'm bringing that up is because Nebuchadnezzar says, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me. Well, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, he's not just the high God. Amen? That's not, that, I appreciate Nebuchadnezzar's change in position towards him, but he's the most high God. Amen? Um, and and the, so it's almost as if his very acknowledgement of a God greater than himself still lacks some reverence, if you will, if I may get away with that. Um, he's acknowledging God, and he's acknowledging God as higher than his gods and higher than himself, which is good, but he's still not quite acknowledging him as El Elyon, which is Hebrew for the Most High God. Um, and so the proper association... Um, it would be El Elyon, and that is even known by the Gentiles. I want that to be known. That term for God, or that phrase for God, El Elyon, or the Most High God, is recorded all the way back with Melchizedek in Genesis. Amen? Of course, we know he's a Gentile king, you know, the king of Salem, and so we know that there's a lot of foreshadowing with Melchizedek, but even the Gentile nations understood that the God of Israel wasn't just a God, he, he's the only God. Because remember how many times in the Bible was man trying to put their own gods against the only true and living God, and every single time those gods could do nothing for them, only the Most High God would answer the prayers of the righteous who put their faith and trust in Him. So to call the Most High God just the High God it's kind of the same to me, and I think that there's biblical evidence to my position as we go through chapter 4. It's kind of the same thing as saying, um, he's a high God, uh, but I still believe in other gods. It's kind of the way he's saying it, amen? Hey, he's, the, he's a great and mighty God that did all those great and mighty things, but he's still not the only God. No, he's the only God, Amen? And that's that. Listen, we live in a world that believes in many gods, but there's only one, and there's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, and so, so you kind of see it here 
in their, you know, Babylonian history. They had many gods. And so uh, he's kind of saying, I believe in other gods, but this God I'm about to tell you about is above them all. It's almost as if he doesn't want to offend his audience. And that's why he's addressing it that way. That's the way I take it. And we live in a world where people have to be careful not to offend the audience. Amen. And we're seeing that show up within the movement of Christianity. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you that the gospel has offended people ever since God designed it. It's not going to stop. We can't change it so that it's less offensive. All right. So, so I'll leave that there. But anyway, regardless of his own pride, um, and regardless of some of his lack of repentance with Nebuchadnezzar, I want to point this out. He does still desire to acquaint others with the providence of God that has related to him. In other words, despite his position on what he believes, he's not denying his encounter with the Most High God. And now he's going to share his experience with others so that they too would know about it. So this is a situation where God is using him to do a great work in his land. Um, and so that's kind of amazing to me. So um, let me give you this. Even if he had not fully repented, his testimony of how God humbled him is still a service to the Lord. Amen. And so it's still helping the cause of God in the land of Babylon because now he's taking some of the attention uh, off of himself and putting it onto God. Let me give you this. When we give glory to God, let us also praise him for his mercy, which he's clearly doing, while confessing our sins and acknowledging our iniquity. Amen. We confess, we acknowledge, we give praise, we give glory. And I like this as well. This is a quote from Spurgeon. You will never glory in God till first of all, God has killed your glorying in yourself. Amen. And I kind of see that very relevant to what is taking place with Nebuchadnezzar. And some would say, well, you can see God working on him, amen? And so I would not deny that. You see, God is definitely working on Nebuchadnezzar here. So here we find a, a king who is truly convinced by the signs and wonders of God's doing that the three, and I'll use their Hebrew names here, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, coming out of the <laughs> furnace, I'm sure is as convincing as it gets, amen? So this was... The miracle, I mean, first there was the interpretation of the dream with Daniel. There was other things going on. But this one act, when he saw them come out of that furnace, was all the convincing he needed. Could you imagine seeing that yourself? Could you imagine that? Like, wow. I mean, you would have gotten full, full repentance out of most people. He, he's still holding on to some things, and I'll, and I'll point some other stuff out to you here in a second. Um. Let me point this out and then we'll go further here. At this time of this testimony that the king is sharing, how great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Put that verse in parentheses, if you will. At the time that he is giving that testimony, he, will, he would have reigned uh, approximately 40 years I would also point out he's seen much of the world and its many conflicts and its many resolutions, yet only now has he been brought to a place of admiring God. Amen? And so he is admiring God. And I want to point this out to you, and this is important for us to remember this. 
There's many people in life that admire God. They acknowledge God, but it's not enough for salvation. Amen? You can't just admire God your way into heaven. Amen? You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't ride the fence about it. He's Savior. He's Lord. He's Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. There's people that acknowledge, oh yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in, in Christ. But if they're if the foundation of their belief system is not in the Word of God, if it's not founded on the Scripture, it's going to come up short. It's going to be lacking. Um, it, so there's many people that acknowledge God. I mean, there's people that get on public platforms every day and they do a show of humility and acknowledgement of God. But does their life show that they truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. So here he's acknowledging God, but will his life pass the test of justifying by his works before men. Now on the on our weekly devotionals we we're, we've been working on James and we encountered that subject where we know that man is justified by faith, right? Before God, but we know that the things that we do helps men around us see that the faith that we say that we have is at work. Amen. So in other words, if we're never doing anything to serve the Lord, people don't know any difference between us and anybody else. We, we say that we have faith, but it's like, okay, what are you doing with that faith? Amen? And so um, here we kind of encounter the same thing. Now look at this statement that he makes. I want to point a couple things out with this. I love this. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. Consider the, the background behind this king making that statement. Amen? He's the king of Babylon. He's the king of, a, of, a, of the, great, you know, the great empire, more than a kingdom, a dynasty. He's been there more than a generation. I want to give you this. This is quite a statement in, from this king who saw in a dream his own kingdom subdued. Amen? When Daniel gave him the interpretation, he saw his own kingdom subdued. In his time, he sees kingdoms rise and fall, and now he seemingly accepts that his kingdom too will not last forever. The only exposure to the different kingdoms of the world this man has, his viewpoint is kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Even by his own dreams, when Daniel came and gave him the revelation, we've seen the, we've seen the Persian Empire take over Babylon. We've seen Greece take over Persia. We see uh, Rome. So he's seeing, even in the future tense, due to the interpretation Daniel's given him, is that kingdoms don't last. And I would point out that the kingdoms we build in our own life won't last either. Amen? But here... <laughs> I love it. He accepts the fact that while his will not last, the kingdom of God will. Amen? The kingdom of God has unshakable foundations, and it is sure to stand the test of time. Other reigns are confined to a generation, dynasties to a few generations, but here he says God's dominion is from generation to generation. Don't you love that? We have a, a promise today of an everlasting kingdom. Covenant given to David. Christ is the king. 
Have you made Christ the king in your life today? Amen. And so then we get into this. So he's given praise to God. He's talked about his testimonies. I've pointed out some of the things that I want you to keep in mind with, uh, with the king's position on, on, on God's because still, he still has a multiple God belief system, which is unfortunate. You know, if I had seen at that point the, the, the come out of the furnace, I would have said, obviously every other God we believe in is not real and your God is and I want to believe in your God. I, that would have been the more appropriate response of full repentance. But so here we've started in here through verse 9. Now this king is dreaming a dream. And I want to give you this. This is now, this is not him retracing and giving testimony of the first dream with the statue, with the head of gold and all that stuff. This is a different dream. All right. And you see that right away because unlike the first dream where he told him, you have to tell me what the dream was because he couldn't remember it. Remember? Which I don't still don't know how he was. He wanted them to reveal to him what the dream was, then the interpretation. Here he actually tells them what the dream is. So the dream, so the king dreams another dream. But don't you find it interesting now that you can piece together that this is a completely different dream? What he didn't go to Daniel. <laughs> Why would you go back to the same unprofitable servants you went to the first time? Amen. You ever see somebody in life where they get bad advice from somebody and then they act on that advice and it fails them and then like then you're like, yeah, I could have told you not to listen to them. And then like several months or some time later, they need advice again. They need help with something again. They go right back to the bad source of information they acted on the first time and they can't figure out why their life's a mess. How about you stop taking advice from people that have no spiritual insight or wisdom because they're not the right people to give it to you? Amen? I mean, here he is. Uh, well, I've had this dream. Let me call on the magicians and astrologers and Chaldeans and soothsayers and all these people. Did they help you the first time? Well, they're not going to help you this time. If you keep going to those who are spiritually unprofitable for meaning, you'll keep coming back empty-handed. Amen? Um, so let's look at this. Oh, Belteshazzar, master of the magicians. What? I wonder how Daniel felt about being called that. He says that Daniel is filled with the spirit of the holy gods. Plural, lowercase g. Come on. I, I, I only imagine that at this point, I, you know, we know Daniel prayed morning, noon, and night. I, I'm sure that he's just sitting there thinking, Lord, I'd like to set this king straight on a couple things about the fact that I'm not filled with no spirits of multiple holy gods, and I'm not a magician, amen? How many times has God man, how many times do people treat God's man like he's a magician, Amen. Like something's all messed up. Well, well, go to the preacher and, and he'll one, two, three, say a fast prayer. Everything's better and life's fixed. We're not magicians. Amen. We want the same. We want the best for everybody. And, and we, uh, we, we fervently seek God in prayer and we study the word and we're available to counsel. But I can give you this today, folks. Some problems take a long time to sort through. Amen. And when people are addressing real problems in life, things come their way. It takes a lot of prayer and it takes a lot of commitment. Amen. 
And uh, for some reason, God allows us, and wow, we're gonna, I'm going to want to meddle into the Sunday morning message, but for some reason, God allows us to go through periods of times of testing our faith, and we experience trial, and they're prolonged periods, and some problems just don't go away overnight, amen? And sometimes that's because God's getting the glory in it when the outcome that is desired finally comes about. And so, uh, but here we've got Daniel, and now it's almost like he's been insulted. So he brings, it's, it, doesn't it seem almost condescend, almost an insult to Daniel at this point? First of all, Daniel has already come to you once and given you the interpretation and testified to the fact that these dreams and the interpretations of the dreams can no man on earth, mortal man, uh, provide uh, the insight and the revelations concerning these matters and uh, says that it's only by God giving him the ability. He didn't want praise. He didn't want acknowledgement. He didn't ask for any special pet names or cliche titles that would make him look more important um, to the world around him. I mean, we've got this stuff happening uh, today. There, there are unfortunately people standing in pulpits that want to be called special names and titles. And like, like, man, I just see Daniel being like, King, just call me Daniel. You know, just, just call me Daniel. I'm just, I'm just the regular guy. And uh, God has provided this for me for the for His glory. And uh, sometimes God calls us to things, gives us talents to do things, calls us to things that we didn't ask for, right? Um, but it's just all for His purposes. Amen? And so the places that you are sent, you're sent by the Lord for His purpose. The talents you have are given to you by God for His purpose. Um, and the very circumstances that we find ourselves in are oftentimes for God's purpose. And so here's Daniel. I admire his integrity. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't cause an uproar, but let's look at this dream before I run out of time. So here we have them. Verse 10, thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the bows thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Who down the tree and cut off the, his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones, 
to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, it's hard for me to pronounce that, I'm sorry if I'm doing a bad job at it, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation, it is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. So I won't... um. I won't uh I won't read any further into that because we'll run out of time. It's kind of hard to to fit all that in. There's so much in these dreams, there's so much in these visions. But what you can take away from those last several verses, so we've got uh we've got the king here. He's dreamed this dream of this tree and this this is a this is a great and mighty king just like just like his kingdom, amen. And so it's shown that just as Babylon had the ability to be, you know, an economic hub and things for all the nations of the earth because how how strong his kingdom had begun. What troubles Daniel in all of this is the fact that, you know, we see that this tree is going to get stripped down and left to nothing but a stump in the ground. Amen. Don't you love how God works? The mightiest of kingdoms that we see today are nothing compared to God. Amen. And he doesn't, you know, God doesn't have to, and he certainly can, and we know one day there's quite severe judgments awaiting earth, but he doesn't have to use nuclear bombs and fire out of heaven to destroy a kingdom, amen? God, he, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, amen? He's omniscient, um, and he can, he can turn the hearts of a person here, he can set things in order there, that when it's time for a kingdom to fall, it's going to fall. If God says it's going to fall, it's going to fall. If God wants America to collapse right now because we just refuse to repent, he can make that happen right now. And he can turn these people against this people and everything else, and he can put those circumstances in order for just that to happen. Um, of course, we're all following closely the situation over in the Middle East right now. I tell you what I think is going to happen, but I don't know because I, you know, God's not revealing any visions to me. But I think we're about to see no more Hamas. That's what I think is going to happen, and I think we're going to see the world getting angry at them because they refuse to stop before it's done. And if Hezbollah doesn't stop firing missiles in there from Lebanon, I think they're going to go take Hezbollah out next. 
And then we're going to have issues with Iran. And then there's just one thing after another. Boy, you can see how that might turn into something we've read in here. Amen? All the nations of the earth gathered against Israel. I'll tell you what. I'm thankful today that God's kingdom is going to stand. Amen? The kingdom promised to Christ. That's what we're seeing. I mean, this... This may not be the actual event. I mean, the Lord may continue to tarry because people are getting saved. I mean, look, we're all in church this morning. There's people serving God. There's people that love the Lord. Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's imminent. He can come back any minute. And the minute the church is removed, I'm telling you, the very last of the restraint of evil is done. He's just The Holy Spirit is going to say, have it your way. But there's special protections to Israel. And we're going to see some kingdoms fall. And I, I'm, I'm with those that say, hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm thankful we're not going to be here for that. We won't be physically on earth to have to endure. Now, I know there's a lot of different belief systems on that. We won't be physically on earth to have to endure a tribulation period, but we'll be conscious and knowledgeable of what is happening. I do believe that. I do believe because we're going to come back with Christ for the millennial reign. We're going to see the judgments. We're going to be a part. We're servants in his kingdom forever. But I'm thankful for the kingdom of God. I'm thankful that that kingdom uh, will last. But this, I mean, this vision, this dream, this tree, the height was great. The tree grew and was strong. And the height thereof reached unto heaven. And the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. I mean, that's as tall as you can get. From the top of this tree, you can see everything. But you know what? I also see man's pursuit for great his own greatness in this dream. Amen. People commit their lives. There's people that don't go to church because they're busy committing their lives to building their own king. They want their they, the building their own kingdom. They want they want to be the tall tree that's grown strong, and they want they want success in their career, and they want a, a, a social life and to fit in and popularity, and they want you know followers on YouTube so that people pay them to have commercials on their YouTube channels and. This is the world we live in. I don't understand all the social media stuff. I, I can, I've figured out Facebook is about as far as I've gotten. But I'm telling you, there's, this, is, this is the world we live in. People are less concerned with God and more concerned with the strength of their own lifestyle, their own comforts, their own success, their own profitability. And this has even creeped into Christianity. There's nothing wrong with having things. Just don't let those things have you. Um, what what you've been given, you're a steward over. And so make sure that you are glorifying God in all that you have. And so here's this king, and his his tree is so so high. You know, he his kingdom is so high that it sees all of the earth. Um, the leaves thereof are fair, and the fruit thereof much. And in it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it. And the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the bows thereof, and all the flesh was fed of it. Now I want to point a couple more things out while I still have a few minutes. What you're seeing here is also the reason that many of God's people became comfortable in the Babylonian captivity. You say, well, you think that wasn't a good place to be. When you look at the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, you learn that there were many Jewish people that didn't want to leave the captivity when it was over because they had gotten comfortable. Hello, they had gotten comfortable having everything given to them. And, and uh, we're in trouble, nation, if we get too comfortable with the government taking care of us all the time. Amen. It creates a dependency. 
Even God's people got dependent on the fact that here's this kingdom and all the nations of the earth, but they became dependent on the kingdom here. Amen? Because this Babylon had grown so strong that every nation of earth was dependent on them even for their food supply. Consider this, Consider the implications there. And then, let me try to find this chapter in Revelation. We see another time period where the world becomes dependent on the Babylonian kingdom, although this is a different Babylon than Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. And i got to find it here. And I will. Give me a couple seconds. Uh, I want to find the one specifically to the kings of the earth. It's not that one. Is it 18? Might be chapter 18. <clears throat> it's 18. Let me read this for you. We'll close out here. <clears throat> Revelation 18, starting in verse 1. Reference to Babylon, who the Bible calls Babylon. Uh, the Bible in, in 17 verses 5 refers to this Babylon as mystery. Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. That's quite a title. Amen. Um, the point is, is that the earth, uh, you know, the people of earth that this is addressing, this kingdom of Babylon is uh, Babylon and by interpretation, meaning confusion. The world system is confusion. Amen. Uh, God is no author of confusion, but in the world you have nothing but confusion. Okay. Um, and so the systems of the earth are built on something flawed and so for those that put their trust in wealth and riches and their own kingdoms and their ability to trade, those that became dependent upon the Babylonian system, just like we see in that vision that the king had here in 18. Let me read this. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen is fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. How'd you like to live there? That doesn't sound very good, does it? Um, maybe the fact that the king, that that kingdom that was envisioned as a tree that was mighty but hewed down all the way to a stump, I guess you would say that a stump is capable to grow back, right? Um, and so the Babylonian system, while the kingdom itself did uh, get destroyed and has not been rebuilt, the Babylonian system and, and it is kind of the Babylonian kingdom itself points to this Babylon, okay, if I may say that. Verse 3, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now you know there's other places in the Bible that tells us, as believers in Jesus Christ, 
We get saved, but then we're called out. See, we're we're, we're a called out assembly. That's what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. We're called out of the world. We're called out of darkness. We're told, come out from among them and be ye separate. We realize that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen. And so we don't adopt the world's way of doing things because we understand that the worldly system and the worldly way of doing things, all that's going to, to perish. And so... I just I think that that's conveniently there that we realize that we've been called out not to partake of the, of the world's sins. Verse 5, for her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she had filled filled to her double. That's quite a judgment. <clears throat> How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. So those that have put their dependence on the Babylonian system find themselves in quite dire straits, if you would. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all uh, thion wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and goes into cinnamon and you know all the different things that were part of their trade system, part of their economy. This is a reference to the Babylon that fell, but it's a comparison of that Babylon to a future Babylonian world system that will fail as well. So think about it, you know, in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar's day, you know, they had merchant ships and they were trading all that stuff with the merchant ships and then here today we've got all we've got those things, but we've got technology you know, can you imagine if they took our information infrastructure? I mean, no internet, no cell service. What would happen? Chaos. Amen. Those church bells tell me when it's time to wrap up. Amen. Um, I love it. But, I, but the whole point of it is don't exalt your own kingdom against God's. Here we have a king who acknowledged God, he admired God, but he still didn't learn to trust God as his God. Amen? And so, it's time to tear down our own kingdoms and pray that others do as well and accept that our God is the only true and living God. Our Christ is the only Savior, the only way to heaven. And whatever we have to part ways with in our own ideas, our own Whatever, if it's against the will of God, just follow the will of God. You'll be glad that you gave up some things to do so. He'll bless us in the end. Amen.
And uh, we'll get to the remaining interpretation of that vision uh, next week, but I hope it was a good lesson for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our Sunday school class this morning. And um, God always comes with a great deal of conviction, and we think about things that we may put up in, in your that, that get in your way, Lord, and um, help us not pursue after our own desires or our own perceptions of the way things should be or the, you know, the person we should be or the kind of success we should have. Help us pursue to be pleasing to you in all that we say and do. Help us commit ourselves to be faithful servants to you. Maybe we won't have all the popularity and fancy things of the world. Maybe we won't have um, status and all of these things. But Lord, if we just have you, we'll be surely blessed above and beyond anything that we can ask or imagine, Lord, because you've got our best interest in mind. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity to serve you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. Thou art truly the most high God. Not just a high God, not a God amongst other gods. You're the only true and living God. And Lord, I pray that everyone here in our Sunday school class this morning can say, He's my God. And Christ is my Savior. We love to tell the story, Lord, because we know it's true. And we thank you, God, for the opportunity to do so and the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for giving us something better than what the world has to offer. And an everlasting kingdom to look forward to and a blessed hope above all other hopes that no matter what happens in this world, what kind of judgments come, God, we are spared because we've accepted Christ as Savior and we know that we will not see your wrath but God, your loving and merciful hand and just your love that we will embrace for all eternity when you call us home, Lord. Help us live for that. Help us live with constant expectation and anticipation for your calling of your church bride home, Lord. We thank you that we're a part of that today. And we pray that if any would come through our doors today that cannot say that they've accepted Christ as Savior, that their heart will be convicted of their need today and that they will ask you into their life as their savior and have that relationship with you not just a life of admiring you but a life of serving you we love you lord we thank you we ask you bless our worship service to come in jesus name amen